Hey there, and welcome to the Bias Podcast with your hosts Ben and Sean, where we chat about all things hockey, but mostly Leafs and Flames. We're recording here on March 23rd, right before the next gen Leafs versus Devils game, Giordano and Blackwell's debut. We have slick jerseys, we have new players, and I'm excited to see how the Leafs can look. Um, Hesh, as a Flames fan, you saw the most of Mark Giordano over the last, uh, geez, how long have you been a Flames fan? 15 years? Something like that. Something I like, remember yeah. seeing some lineups mm-hmm. from like, yeah, like the mid two thousands. I was like, I remember cheering on those teams. It's 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 crazy to think it's been that long. Um, so you can give us uh, a bit of inside info on Giordano, uh, because right now he's honestly he's a fair amount of an unknown because he played in the West so long. I know the he was in the Leafs division last year, so we saw him a fair bit. But um, what have you got for us? Yeah, I mean he's, um, I mean he he's he's going to be bringing you a pretty similar package to what you guys have seen with Brody. Um, definitely going to be um, a, a bit tougher, um, bigger on on um, much more of a, a PK presence uh, than Brody ever ever was, um, and you know mm-hmm. much better kind of a, a, in basically every aspect of the game. Um, <laughs> I mean, Brody was a great player, but Gio was just kind of like that, but a step up. Um, fast skater, great at moving the puck up, great at joining the rush, great at, you know, on uh, two-on-ones defending, great in the PK-ish um, on the power play. Um, I saw you, you had shown me what you had kind of said about him on the on the hot stove there. Um, mm-hmm. Had some good points. Um I don't know if tough is something I would jump to immediately. Um, he's not a pushover by any means, but he's not going to be a, a tough guy. Um, at least yep. he wasn't on the Flames. I'm curious if he if he takes on something like that with the Leafs being sort of like a veteran coming in. Yeah, so not tough as in um, as in being a bodyguard, but just tough as in he plays with a high competitiveness and he low key kind of dirty. Um, that is interesting. You bring that up. That is a uh, perspective that I've gotten from, or I've seen from every fan base that isn't the Flames fan base. And I don't think I've seen a single Flames uh, <laughs> fan ever notice or mention that at all. Um, hmm. He is an mm-hmm. angel, and that's it. That's it. <laughs> interesting. Um, he yeah. may have slew footed a bunch of guys, but he didn't. He may mm-hmm. have speared guys, but he didn't. He's mm-hmm. an angel. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Yeah, and and I mean, one thing I'm really curious about um, with the Leafs kind of having, um, w- w- from an outside view, a, a stacked power play this season. I wonder if he fits in on that because he was uh, always on the Flames' top power play unit. I have to imagine he was on Seattle's top power play unit. Um, but I'm curious if he even cracks the power play in Toronto. Yeah. So I. Th- I think Leafs fans would have been um, wondering if he was going to jump on the power play. I suspect Keith may have done that anyways, just to kind of, he likes to put particularly new guys in a position to succeed. Often that's the power play. Definitely not the top power play because Riley's so, um, so comfortable there. And honestly, I, I think Giordano shoots a bit much for, for the top power play. But our second power play is run by Rasmus Sandin, who's had a who looks really good running that power play, but he just got injured, ah. and it sounds like 
maybe he got injured long term. So Giordano will be starting tonight on the second power play. And uh, I, I think that'll be a good thing. Hopefully get him a couple points in the first few games and get him rolling a bit, feeling good about himself. Uh, the least power play has been a bit of a story this year, that's for sure. I wanted to, I did want to talk about it before we start watching the game tonight, just so we can sort of pay attention to it as it goes on. The At the beginning of the year, it just looked absolutely dominant, and it did last year too. Um, but last year at the beginning of the year it was it was dominant a lot of things were working well but it was still it was a pretty stagnant uh power play the the players were pretty much it was like the leafs coaching staff had a had one plan that they knew worked so they used it all the time and then eventually other teams figured it out and the leafs power play did not adjust and it completely stunk the rest of the way this year the leafs power play came flying out the gate but we could immediately see a much faster puck movement, much faster player movement, um, and uh, kind of an air of unpredictability around it. And then the Leafs' power play went dry, and it went dry, and I was just looking at their game-by-game stats. It went dry through February, and since then, and I know, I think it was Justin Bourne, I forget if he was on the Dangle podcast or if it was um, some work on the hot stove wherever they were talking about him but he was he used to be a video coach with the marlies i believe and uh that was when sheldon keith was coach on the marlies and he said that the way sheldon keith kind of works as a head coach is he tries to find something that's not working about the team and then he goes and he hyper focuses on that aspect of the game and that means that he probably, I and I'm yep. inferring from that, that he would have left the least power play alone until it didn't work, and then he would have gone in to make changes. And the Leafs power play this year, after it started to go stagnant in February, the puck movement is now way worse than it was at the beginning of the year. The player movement is way worse than it was at the beginning of the year. I remember thinking in January, when the power play was just clicking, I remember thinking, wow, it looks like the Leafs have a rule. If you hold the puck for one and a half seconds and you haven't done anything with it, move it. And it was so cool because that puck was just zipping around in the ozone. And it was it was fun to watch because the, the opponents were just panicking because of how much danger the Leafs have out there. The opponents were panicking. The puck was moving so quickly they couldn't keep up with it. Bang, bang, bang. Eventually it was in the back of the net. Now, I could see, and this is kind of guesswork, I could see Sheldon Keefe coming in, okay, the power play dries up in February, it stops working, and then he hyper-focuses on it, and he says, well, I like this guy here, that guy there, that guy there, and the players lose their creativity, the puck is not moving nearly as fast, the players are not moving around on the power play, and I would like you to pay attention as we're watching tonight, if the Leafs get a power play, see how how um, stationary the players are and how long they take to move the puck, how long they hold it while they're thinking, while they're waiting, and then they move the puck. And it just seems like we give um, the opponents tonight, the New Jersey Devils, it seems like we give the opponents so much time to get their PKs set that uh, we're we're basically shooting ourselves in the foot. I bet, and I have not, I did not manage to find the stats, and I know you did, so you have them there. I bet the Leafs' power play numbers, I know they would have been terrible in February, I bet the numbers were way better at the um, in the first half of the season than since February here in March, and 
that's purely through through a different strategy is what I would guess. Um, you have those numbers there. What? Uh, how do they compare now from uh, their March numbers on the power play to yes, um, so, uh, the season before start of February? Yes, the season till the end of February. Sorry, to the end of January. End of January yes. you had? Um, yeah. January 31st. Um, yeah, the Leafs were just on uh, in another league. They were running at 31%. Um, they had second most mm-hmm. overall goals in the league. Uh, the next best team was St. Louis at 285 Like They were a dominant force in the league, um, mm-hmm. well ahead of everyone else. Um, and then you were also right, in February, they dropped off a cliff, uh, a 10% cliff. They went down to 21.4% in February. Um, that's honestly that's not as low as i would have guessed they're 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 still ranked 12th in the league um over that time span um mm-hmm. but that is i mean that's a massive drop off so so that's sorry february as a month they're 22 percent. 21 yep february 1st to the 28th 21 okay uh, yeah 12th in the league 21.4 percent. yeah that's quite a drop um, basically a 10 percent drop mm-hmm. um so night and day difference i mean it's it's still a, a you know top half of the league but it's it's not a by far and away the mm-hmm. best in the league it's getting close to league average um yeah and then march what's march, and then march like? took a bit of a jump up they're up to 11th in the league uh, over that time frame um clicking at about a 26.3 percent um so climbing back up okay but again nowhere near that so respectable, but yeah. nothing compared. Now the March yeah. is a bit of a, a you know a, a smaller um, sample. Um, nine games. Uh, February had twelve, and then obviously the start of the season had a lot more forty-one games. Um, but I mean, and some teams have been really clicking here. I mean, Van- or Florida's at a forty percent PP in March. Um, just absolutely unreal. Wow. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, just looking at the Leafs, um, you're still looking at a a five percent drop between the start of the season and March um, to where things have. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, hi Tango. <laughs> um, and it's also being hidden a little bit. Last thing I wanted to say on the Leafs power play there, our struggles are being hidden a bit because in February we we had a nice long skid where we didn't score on god knows how many power plays in a row and so you know it was getting media attention right now it's not getting any attention because if you look um at the numbers the numbers that are being thrown around are the least power play on the year and least power play on the year is like 29 (laughs) percent so it looks killer but that's not really the story of it because of how dominant it was in the first half and how different it looks now now the flames power play just What's the story going on right <laughs> right there? We'll have to cut that out from Tango. Um, luckily, we can find it because Tango is completely screeching right now, so we can just see those sound waves. Usually freaks out like this when we leave, <laughs> but not, not when we put it in bed. Okay. Yeah. I think we're now, good now. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. So your power play. It's changed since uh, the Tyler Toffoli trade. Yes. And what's going on there? Uh, I mean, the biggest change there, especially in the top power play, was dropping Monahan off and um, putting Toffoli in his spot. Um, Monahan's been struggling mm-hmm. hard this year, um, something we can get into a little bit more later. Um, but, uh, yeah, the power play, I, we were kind of seeing more uh, average, sitting at around 22%. Um, 
throughout the season so far up until the Toffoli change. Um, but once we put Toffoli on that top power play unit, <laughs> our team power play has jumped up to 32%. Um, I think he had three power play oh, goals in the first two or three games he played with us. Um, he's just fit in like a glove on that top unit. Um, and it doesn't really surprise me, Monaghan, all season, even a lot of last season, just kind of feels like um, a fish out of water a bit in the power play. He doesn't really seem to know how to get in good spots. And the, the odd time he gets a, a puck on the stick, he can't really finish. And I and I get the feeling that guys in the ice are like, well, I can give it to Monaghan, but he's not going to do anything with it. So he's almost just like a non-option. Wow. And just taking up space. Um, and I think, mm-hmm. yeah, seeing that, that 10% ju- like positive jump that we had, um, with just that change of adding to Foley there um, can kind of show what, uh, what yeah. kind of effect just a slight change of personnel can do in a power play. Yeah, even even just one guy. has, um, And you think that's more the player's faith in the guy in the middle rather than a change stylistically in what the Flames are trying to, yep, I mean, to look like, for? And they're both doing the same thing. They're both um, in the high slot position, and they're both just pure shooters um, on that power play. Um, mm-hmm. but Tifoli just seems energetic. He, like one thing you mentioned was guys being stationary. Monaghan was very stationary in the power play. Um, Tifoli I've seen moving around a bunch. Um, he has that kind of spot. That's his spot. But you know, when the puck gets into the corner and stuff, it doesn't necessarily make sense mm-hmm. to do that when there's a battle. So he moves around, uh, and he's been able to help generate chances for other players as well, getting some assists, um, on that power play, just keeping things moving. Cool. Well, we're sitting right here. Um, we've taken up 14 minutes when we, our, our goal was 10 minutes before the game started. So let's, uh, stop the recording right here. We'll watch a bit of the game and then we'll come back either in the first intermission or who knows, maybe even like halfway through the game. Sounds good. We'll see you then. Hello, welcome back to the Bias Podcast. Uh, we are recording after the Leafs finished uh, defeating the Devils 3-2, to two, uh, getting two shorthanded goals, one from the stud himself, Ilya Mikheyev, and the other from um, Pierre Engvall. Ben, instant thoughts. What do you think of the game? Well, I'm... I'm just going to jump in there, so it's not not necessarily quite instant because we well we finished watching it what half an hour probably after it finished, but uh, <laughs> I just saw on Twitter here in 51 minutes of four on five with Ilya Mikheyev, the Leafs have outscored the opponent four three. <laughs> and uh, how I feel right now, we were we were just discussing this a bit when we thought we should turn on the mics. Um, from an entertaining standpoint, I thought this was it was a pretty good game. Um, we were going to pause partway through and continue our discussions, but there wasn't really too much to talk about. Uh, the third period was was exciting enough, um, though, to see, I think, Marner scored yeah. in the third. But um, seeing... No, seeing the end of the second. Was it? Yeah. So seeing, yeah. though, the, the shorthanded prowess of the Leafs tonight, it is fun. But as you said, the Devils power play is atrocious. That's kind of when we're going to see it. Um, I did think tonight the big thing that I really noticed that you and I had talked about before was the Leafs physicality. Um, tonight, it seemed like the Leafs were initiating the physicality. The Leafs ramped up the physicality in the game, which I don't think I've seen all season. 
I think all season, and the last Leafs-Flames game was a really good example of this, and you and I had talked about it then, when the Flames really brought it, were, were hitting heavy, and then the Leafs responded and hit heavy, but it was always the Leafs all season, we've been able to respond, we've been able to kind of have reactive physicality, but it was nice to see the Leafs really initiate that tonight. Yeah, for sure, definitely you saw um, good physical pres- pre- presence um, from many of the Leafs. And uh, I mean, at the one point, uh, I think you pointed out um, Geo kind of going out of his way to finish a check. Uh, and then the next two minutes, we saw three or four other Leafs um, sort of following suit and, and making a point of finishing their checks, um, which is always good to see, uh, especially as, as we get into the get into the playoffs. Um, uh you know, seeing everyone starting to finish their checks and get a little bit more physicals uh, definitely going to help with a longer run. Yeah, and it uh, it felt like it was maybe a little bit contagious, and I'm hoping that it looked like Blackwell as well was finishing his hits well. I I'm hoping that maybe maybe bringing in Giordano and Blackwell really can turn the rest of the Leafs a little bit more physical. Um, I know. I know you need your leaders to be hitting if you're going to make a difference. You can't just have one or two guys on the fringes who bring the physicality. You need to bring it as a team. But maybe those one or two players can really spark plug the physicality a little bit. Um, the Now, the Flames, you were, um, and I, I know it's not on our list, but we, we were talking about it a bit. The Flames roster is built for that physicality, and that's kind of why they brought it against the Leafs. Do they do that every game? For the most part, yes. Um, it's it's uh, especially the lower part of the, the roster. Um, you know, the barring pair in defense, we have Gabranson and Zadorov, who are both um, uh, very intense um, uh, physical guys who get get in everyone's face. Um, aren't be aren't going to be afraid to shove you around a bit in front, especially after the whistle. Um, and as well as having uh, Wuchich on the prowl, um, uh-huh. it's you. You know, a lot of the guys play a very heavy game, um, and you know it. You know, it can kind of be seen with how other teams even see that, with how the deadline went. A lot of the teams um, in and around uh, the Flames in the Pacific and the West were adding a lot of bulk and a lot of na- uh, you know, quote unquote, nastiness to their lineups mm-hmm. um, to try and match what the Flames are doing because they are by far and away, you know, they're. You know, next to Colorado, the best team in the West, um, and they're far and away the most physical, especially in those top teams. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think there there's a lot of fear of other teams coming to meet us in the playoffs, which yep. I don't I don't share that fear. Um, but that's that's the story. <laughs> yep. Um, now the way the the Flames are built, it you were talking about they have some new look lines. Is that since the Toffoli edition? And do you think those are here to stay? Uh, it's actually since uh, it's just been the last two games since the uh, Yarn Croak edition. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been playing all season. Um, the, the the main thing is uh, with the top line of Gaudreau, Winholm, Kachuk, um, who those three have just been um, absolutely playing out of their minds, outstanding hockey. Um, and then kind of second, third lines have been mixed up a bit. Um, as well as really the fourth line, they they kind of flutter a little bit. Um, but the big change we had was Kachuk dropping down to the second line, playing with um, Backlund and uh, who's the other guy in that line with them? I'm completely blanking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have it up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dubé. 
um, Dylan yeah. Dubé, um, who, who's, who's had some struggles this year. Um, but the last two games, Dubé's had uh, three points. Um, he's been looking great. Um, Kachuk has just looked like an absolute stud um, mm-hmm. like on that line. He's completely run it, which has been good to see. Um, and it spreads out the offense a little bit more. We're not quite as top-heavy. Um, um, and so Toffoli moved up in Kachuk's spot on that top line with Johnny and Lindholm. We have our shutdown third line with Coleman, Yarncroke, and Mangiapane. Um, and then uh, fourth line that doesn't do too much. Sorry to jump in. What's the plan with Monaghan there? Yeah, so we got Monaghan now, fourth line center. Um, and we just picked up Ryan Carpenter, who's also, he's a center slash winger, uh, a fourth line depth guy. Um, and I wonder if we start to see a little bit of him there instead of Monaghan. Um, Monaghan was a guy who I think started the season on the second line, slowly fell to third, has since fallen to the fourth. He was in the top power play unit, as we mentioned earlier. Um, uh-huh. He he has completely fallen off the power play now. Um, he's just, um, he, he looks slow out there, which is weird to say in our team where we have guys like a Milan Lucic and a Trevor Lewis, but <laughs> those guys look have been looking fast this year and, and Monaghan continues to look slow. Um, hmm. Now, and sorry, the story with Monaghan, if I remember correctly, because I know he he was a consistent thirty goal guy for a while. It was a number of injuries and surgeries, right? Yeah, the, the last two off seasons ago, he had I think two or three surgeries, um, mainly around mm-hmm. wrists, and I think one in the hip. And then last off season, he had like two hip or hip area um, surgeries, and and I think his body's just through these surgeries lost a lot of the flexibility and explosiveness that um, he had. And he was never a fast skater, um, but I think Mm -hmm. he's just lost more and more and more speed. Um, And without that speed, I mean, he's, he's got a great shot, but he's just lost the confidence um, and can't really get open for a good pass because he doesn't have that little bit of speed you need to kind of move around. He just kind of Mm -hmm. sits where he is. Um, I think you see it when, when the when NHL players' injuries start catching up with them, honestly, they just coast more. Yeah. Right? Um, and then they're lagging behind the play a little bit more. They're pushing it a little bit less. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and I was going to say, and, you know, he has been a clutch player all his career. I, I, You know, I got my fingers crossed. I wouldn't be amazed if he had a bit of a, a resurgence in the playoffs, especially if he gets some injuries. Um, he's mm-hmm. definitely not going to be falling off the lineup too far. Um you know, it, it's nice to keep still have that center depth, but um, questions are starting to rise of, um, you know, is he going to be with the team next year? Do they look to move him in the offseason? I know we got some, mm-hmm. a bunch of players. I mean, we need to resign Goudreau, Kachuk, um, and Mangiapane, who are all going to be getting big raises this year. Um, mm-hmm. And so with all that, we need to find the money somewhere. I wonder if that's uh, coming off of uh, Monahan's back there. I was going to say, um, how about in the Leafs? Have, have they, uh, uh, you know, obviously trade line just happened um, and they picked up Geo and, and Blackwell. So there's going to be a little bit of moving around with that. But uh, have their lines been mm-hmm. consistent through the year or they've been moving things around a lot too? Relatively consistent through the year since, I mean, Bunting started, I don't remember if he started on the, I think Richie started on the first line, Bunting maybe on the fourth. Bunting was pretty quickly moved up to the first line, though he worked his way up. And uh, Sheldon Keefe has not been willing to touch that first line since. Um, I think that's a 
big point of contention with some with some Leafs fans that were not that he doesn't seem willing to change the lines around. I think it was Jared Bednar in Colorado was uh, maybe in the last couple of weeks was quoted as saying right now, whether you win or lose the games, it doesn't matter so much. What matters is trying to figure out all of the different looks your team can have. Yep. And Sheldon Keefe has been really, really poor at that since he's arrived in the playoffs twice now um, William Nylander has been put into the middle um, playing center despite not playing there all season and what happens whenever one of our top two centers go down goes down is Alex Kerfoot jumps into the middle so Nylander again is going through the entire season without playing center when I think a few of us think the long-term look of that second line might be to put Tavares over to the wing, free him up a little bit more offensively and have Nylander in the middle. But Keith, it seems like he sees something about Nylander in the middle that says he's never going to try it, except in the playoffs when it really, really matters. Sometimes it's like his mind <laughs> arrives at that conclusion, but it just it's frustrating that Keith doesn't he's not willing to play around with that first line despite the fact that injuries happen and he might be forced to and yeah. so when Matthews was suspended Tavares got bumped up to the first line which really helped Tavares when as Tavares has Tavares Nylander pairing has really been struggling for a couple months now and there's still a pairing the only thing Keith tries every like 10 games he bumps Nylander down to the third line or the fourth line and he leaves him there for like half a game and then he puts the pair back together. But I mean, Nylander and Matthews have worked well as a pairing before. Marner Taveras have worked well as a pairing before. Just play around with it. Just try and get the guys going. Yeah, and it sounds like Taveras and Marner as a pairing, even just this season, as you said, when Matthews was uh, gone through the suspension, um, you know, we're able to pick up that chemistry quick. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, maybe that's something... Like it's interesting you bring that up with um, uh, what Jared Benner was saying, and you can definitely see that right now with um, Sutter. I mean, we've got some new guys in the lineup, but you know he's making a point of like, let's trade out these new lines, and I'm curious to see if that keeps changing over the next, uh, you know, 10, 20 games, the rest of the games we have through the rest of the season, is that he plays with different looks on that front end mm -hmm. to say, hey, you know, when we have this guy go down, can I you know, what can this line do for me? Can I trust this line to be a top line? Are they just an offensive line? Are they a shutdown line? Yeah. What What can these guys do together? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it'd be great for uh, for the Leafs in the playoffs. Do you think, you know, if, if they get a little snake bitten like they got last year, they have that comfort and flexibility to say, you know what, instead of Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Neolander, would swap it up to Matthews, Neolander, Tavares, Marner. You know, just to give the guys a bit of a fresh taste, a fresh look, uh, and see if we can spark something in the playoffs. Absolutely. And Keith has been out coach now in like three playoffs straight. And already, it's like in the regular season here, he's getting himself ready. He's setting himself up to get out coached because he just doesn't have those options. I like how you worded that. Um, I'd like to push us forward a little bit. Um, I kind of yep. said what I wanted to say there. I see here that um, I know I organized my thoughts into some reasons for optimism for the Leafs and into some reasons for um, to fear a little bit going into the playoffs. I know you've listed for the Flames. You have concerns about having a single starting goalie. Who is your backup and why is that such a concern? Um, 
I mean, it's it's a bit of a stretch concern, but just something um, uh, I'm, I'm curious about going into potentially a long playoff run and how that looks. Uh, I mean, teams always lean hard on, on their starters getting in the playoffs, but we've leaned hard on Mark Stramall year. Our backup's been Dan Vladar, who for the most part has played very well um, for us when we've needed him. Um, he's relatively inexperienced. He, I think we got him from... Uh, we traded for him in the offseason with Boston. I think he had played maybe 10, mm-hmm. 15 games for them in the NHL, but mainly was an AHL goalie for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just, you know. So is it a lack of experience that's a concern or just how much the Flames rely just on Just how much Markstrom? we rely on Markstrom and, and sort of a, a bit of a lack of depth uh, in, in the goaltending position. Um, uh mm-hmm at an NHL level. Um, you know, we have um, Dustin Wolf, who's been absolute stud in the AHL, um, but this is his rookie year in the AHL. Um, and so it's, it you know, it's oh, scary wow. to think, you know, we have Markstrom go down. Our next guy is Vladar, who's, you know, maybe played 15 games for us this year and has like 30 NHL games to his name. And then next in line would be yeah. Dustin Wolf, who... This is rookie year in the AHL and has never seen NHL ice. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. with any team, so I, I think, think, you know, when you see mm-hmm. that top goaltender go down, you're, you're, what you're looking at in the playoffs is, is, is going to plummet. But I think um, with the Flames, if, if, if we lose Markstrom, um, I'm, I was kind of surprised we didn't try and do anything at, at the deadline to just get, get a third mm-hmm. NHL goalie just to have him there. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, and I know some Leafs fans were feeling that as well. That that's kind of a a good sign that that's high on yeah, your list of sure. concerns because like you said, any team that loses their starting goalie, they're going to struggle. In particular, if their starting goalie's better, it's going to hurt them more. And if that's the top of your list of concerns, <laughs> probably in a pretty good place. Um goaltending has been an issue for the Leafs as well. Obviously, I think it's been pretty well documented. For sure. And I kind of have it listed under as a reason for optimism because, yes, our goaltending's been <laughs> unpredictable from game to game. And Campbell is out injured. Shelgren had played two really good games, and I think he allowed five goals in the third game. Uh, but he's he's impressed very well as a as a rookie goalie. I think though the team has been playing fantastically as the goaltending has not been been performing. When Campbell was going on his absolute tear in November, then the Leafs were kind of giving up a lot and he was masking a lot of our weaknesses. But the Leafs, um, I think it was, who was it? Jeff Valiette, um, Valiette posted on Twitter, and I don't even have when he did this, but I think it was uh, within a, a week. He posted, since the new year, the Leafs attempts against Per 60 is the third fewest shots against eighth fewest in the league. Expected goals against fifth fewest chances against third fewest. And you can see that our all of our defensive numbers, no matter how you measure it, our defensive numbers look good relative to the league. And our save percentage is the worst in the league by, uh, by a mile. And I think what's going on there is the... Um, the Leafs are still <laughs> managing to win more than half of their games despite their goaltending being really, really weak. And I think that just goes to show that the Leafs as a team are really, really strong. 
and it's giving us some really good habits. And frankly, goaltending can turn itself around really, really quickly. Campbell's out with an injury. I think the rumor was that this injury was plaguing him for a while. And I know a few folks looked back to the Minnesota game the Leafs had, um, I think in December. And uh, Felino, Marcus Felino, took a bit of a run at Campbell in the last couple minutes. And since then, his numbers just completely plummeted. So who knows? Maybe he comes back from this injury, a brand new goalie. That would be really cool. But either way, I think it's not necessarily a bad sign that we've been getting terrible goaltending and still winning yeah, I mean, games. And I mean, I've seen some um, d- different graphs and stuff, especially of, of the save percentage um, for the Leafs team combined between all the goalies uh, over the last few mm-hmm. months. Um, and like, it looks like a, a roller coaster ride um, of a graph. It, it is unbelievable how, how <laughs> high it gets and how low it gets in such short periods mm-hmm. of time. Um, mm-hmm. And with that, yeah, you, you have to say, like, hey, it's perfectly possible that we, we get a big spike come the playoffs. Um, and, you know, that happens. You, you can easily see this team winning the cup. That's, that's all it could take. Um, mm-hmm. And and that's the thing, though, is I don't think we need a huge spike. If we're getting average goaltending, if we're getting the same goaltending that Eric Shelgren was giving us for two games, I think we win a series. I think we can win a series with Eric Shelgren because we don't need, honestly, we don't even need a 920 or a 915 goalie. We need a 900 goalie, yeah. which is subpar in the NHL. If we get a 900 goalie, I think the Leafs um, have a, I think the Leafs can beat any playoff, any playoff team, including those in our division, which look like they're yeah, complete you, titans. Yeah. The Leafs are in one heck of a scary division, um, especially after that trade deadline. Yeah, I feel for you guys. Mm-hmm. But the Leafs, and uh, and it was Buds All Day, uh, the podcast, tweeted, in the Leafs' 11 games, and since then we've played two games, we've won one, we've lost one, so it doesn't change it too much. In the Leafs' last 11 games, we're 3-3-1 versus non-playoff teams, 4-0-0 against playoff teams. And I think, frankly, I think that's about the story i think that's a reason for optimism i think that means when the games really matter when the leafs are expecting it to be a really competitive game they show up and it's working i don't think we're we're not losing backbreaker games um in uh in these measuring sticks we're performing we're showing up against carolina we're showing up against tampa bay and i think it's a I think it's a good thing, and I think it could be kind of cool because it's been a while since the... I think it's been a, a few years yeah. since the Leafs were an underdog heading into the playoffs, and it looks like that's going to happen this year. I think that could work wonders for the Leafs, for the pressure on the Leafs. I think it's kind of nice that, yes, the Leafs um, did buy at the deadline, but we bought less than Tampa at the deadline. We bought less than Florida at the deadline, so chances are we bought less than whoever we're playing. And I think that still feeds into the underdog status. So I think it could be kind of cool. I think as a team, as much as, you know, maybe the the sum of the parts that we just added might be a little bit less than than Florida, for example, who just added Giroux Plus. But I think as a team, the Giordano addition really, really fills out the Leafs nicely. I think that might give the Leafs a bit more of a boost than adding Giroux to already the best offense yeah, in the team, sure. in the um, uh, the league. And, and I guess along those lines, um, 
one thing I was kind of curious of and kind of that I'm noticing for myself, um, are you growing a case of expectations? Are you, what are your thoughts now looking ahead towards that first, (laughs) first round? Um, I am, um, I'm optimistic because I think this is the best Leafs team I've ever seen. Um, I started following the Leafs in, um, I think I saw Joseph playing was the first uh, Leafs goalie. So when we, we beat the Senators a couple of times and didn't really have any business beating them. But I do think this is the, the best Leafs team we've seen. I think last year was a good Leafs team and the idea was we had a, a pretty light road to the cup. It was a good Leafs team, but like Sheldon Keefe was putting Joe Thornton on the first power play. Joe Thornton didn't even belong on the roster. And it was, I think my fears are coaching can be the, coaching can undo these these Leafs. Um, I think as much as Dubis has said that he's putting his job on the line here, um, giving this core another chance, I do think Kyle Dubis would stay if the Leafs were bumped in round one again, but that would be my biggest fear um, in terms of reactionary reactions to it or trading Nylander or Marner. I really don't think the Leafs are a better team if you trade Nylander or Marner. But, um, you know, if the Leafs lose in round one, Sheldon Keefe has just got to got to go. I think he's he's won a lot of games. Yeah, that's a bit of a byproduct of the roster he has. I think they just showed, I think he's like, the fifth fastest team and fastest coach in league history to get to a hundred games. I mean, the, the guys that were with him, they're not, they're not the best <laughs> coaches in the history of the game. Dan Bilesma, what did he do? Well, he came into the, to the powerhouse Pittsburgh Penguins in 2010. Yep. Got gifted a couple cups. And I don't know. I just <laughs> team fell apart a little bit and then he was fired right away. Yeah. One, I think only the one actually. Yeah, you're right. I think he got one and it was yeah. fired the next season and they hired on new coach and went on to win a cup with him. Was that part of the back to back? No, he was. So it, um, no, uh, Bilesma came in, won that cup, Sidney Crosby's Bilesma first cup the, after they had back to back, um, uh, back to back, final appearances against the Red Wings. Then Bilesma stayed for a long time. He rode that cup when the Penguins never made it back to the finals, and then he uh, got fired, the and the Penguins won the cup that year. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your expectations? Um, I, I'm definitely starting to get some expectations of, uh, I, I guess, expecting a first-round win. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, that's dangerous. The oh, teams that's dangerous. were looking. Yeah, I know. That's that's why I'm scared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this this is definitely uh, one of your reasons to fear. I would definitely categorize <laughs> that for myself here, um, where I'm like, <laughs> we're we're so far and ahead away of so many other teams. Um, we look so dominant in a lot of our games, um, and I'm just terrified that. It's it's just gonna disappear come playoff time, because mm-hmm. this has happened before. Um, flashback to I believe it was the eighteen nineteen season where I think we we might have been the top team in the conference at the end of the day, but it, it never was felt it like that. Anaheim. Never, um. Yes. I think Anaheim beat you in five games or something like that. That sounds right. 
Um, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, we're a different team now than we were then. Um, that that team, it felt weird to be in that position. This team feels, it, watching them play, it feels like they should be a top team in the league. Um, mm-hmm. th- they feel that good. Um, they they've had dominating performances on on some top teams. Um, mm-hmm. We absolutely demolished the Panthers. We, we you know we had a really good head to head game against the Abs a month ago. Um, mm-hmm. But with all that, and, and it also doesn't help looking at the teams around us. You know we're likely to play a, a, an Edmonton, uh, an LA. Um, Who's the other top team in our division? I can't even remember. Um, I guess Vegas, who's like fallen off a cliff. Um, those yeah. are kind of the teams we're looking at playing in the first round. Um, LA, I'm not too concerned about, but we've always struggled against Edmonton. Um, the last game mm-hmm. we played, we looked better, but in general, we always struggle against Edmonton. I'm A lot of people would love to see that series, but I'm terrified of it. Um, really? Hmm. And, and Vegas, I'm just worried worried if they find a way to get the cap to work they're going to be a powerhouse come playoff time when uh yep. all the guys come back and assuming healthy. they're assuming they have enough um healthy players right yeah i mean they're, they're very hurt right now but i think timelines at the very least right now have everyone coming back in time for the playoffs mm-hmm. in and around yep. there um mm-hmm. so curious to see but part of me is kind of starting to feel like, hey, we should at least get through that first round, maybe even the second. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's that yeah. third round where we'll probably be meeting Colorado that um, if we lost there, you know, I, I, I have no expectations on, oh, from that point on. But the first yep. two rounds, and that's a, I'm starting to feel some pressure that this team needs to win. And that's kind of an interesting thought. You want your team to peak at the right time, and you hope that they're not just peaking before playoffs and don't have much more to push, but you do have Daryl Sutter on your side and his teams do tend to perform in the playoffs. Yep, for sure. Um, I'm curious to see how, how he manages the team over the next 20 games. Um, Cause right now we're in that spot. Um, there's essentially 0% chance we're missing the playoffs at this point. And so it's, it's just mm-hmm. these next games doesn't matter if we look good. Doesn't matter if we look bad. It's just about, being ready so that when that first playoff game comes, we look good then. Um, yep. Yeah. Cool. I feel good about our discussion right now. There's nothing. Um, I don't think we've ever made it through our topics as efficiently as we did here today. Is there, is there anything else you want to mention before we call it here? No, it's good. Just um, you know, excited to uh, be able to relax and not have to worry about squeezing into the playoffs uh, over the rest of the season i'm just uh, looking forward to them mm-hmm. getting started yeah and i'm honestly it's uh, it's really enjoyable to watch leafs games with you now that giordano's here because uh, it seems like you love the guy so we will uh recall it if anyone's <laughs> if anyone's listening thank you and um if not well you should take care <laughs>